Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. And uh, I've entitled this Living the Abundant Life that Jesus has for you to live. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Now, what we have to do is break out of this barely get by mentality that most of us have as Christians. We really do. So many of us, we see ourselves as victims. We ourselves defeated. We have negative thoughts that are holding us captive. But that's not God's will for our life. In fact, even the children of Israel back in the, the Old Testament, it, God said, look, I want to bless you. He said, these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. The picture God is painting is that like you're going out doing your business, your stuff and, and blessings are coming after you. You try to get away. You can't even get away because they're going to overtake you. He says, you'll be blessed in the city and in the country and blessed will be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds and your cattle. And he says, you'll be blessed in your basket and store. That means in your, in your savings. All right. He said he's going to command blessings on your storehouses and blessings on all that you set your hand to do. All right. That's the way God wants us to think. He wants us to see ourselves as blessed, delivered. He wants to see ourselves as a success, that we, we have an abundant supply, a full supply, more than enough, that we've got joy, we've got peace, we've got purpose, we've got direction. Now, in, in way back in the book of Genesis, God has talked to Abraham and has made a covenant with Abraham and there's a famine in the land. So Abraham takes his wife, Sarah, right, and, and they go to Egypt. Now, apparently this girl, Sarah, she's a babe. Right? I know how else to say this. All right. She's like a babe because hey, Abraham says to her, look, he said, you are so beautiful. He said, when the people see you, these guys, they're going to kill me so they can marry you. So this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to say you're my sister and I'll say you're my sister. How many of you know that would not go over well at your house? Okay. But they get there. She says, I'm his sister. He said, yep, she's my sister. The king hears, hey, there is this lady. She is a knockout. He sends for her and brings her to his house and he is engaged to her. All right. And God comes at night in a dream and says to the king, Abimelech, he said, you're a dead man. He said, because you've just taken this man's wife. And in the dream, he says, God, I didn't know. They told me, sister. God said, I know. And I kept you from touching her. He said, but you restore that man, his wife, or you're dead. So he gets up in the morning and he gets Abraham. And, and he said, I had a dream. God spoke to me. And this is what he said. This is a quote. He said, and Abimelech, that's the king. He said to Abraham, he said, what did you see that you did this thing? What did you see? We would, today we would say, what were you thinking that you did this, right? Because here's what, 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 what we're, we, we know. What you think, what you see on the inside determines what you do. And in Abraham's mind, what he saw, what he thought was going to happen was they were going to kill him in order to be able to take his wife. That's what he saw on the inside. Right? But most of us, 
on the inside what we think, what we see about ourselves, about our future, our family, uh, our business, uh, about every aspect of our life. What we see is not what God says about our life. We see what culture tells us. We see what circumstances tell us. We see what the opposition tells us. We see what other people say about us. All right. And, and half of the time we're listening to the devil. I remember a while back a guy came up to me and said, the devil told me I'm going to lose everything. I said, good. He said, what do you mean good? I said, the devil's a liar. Anything that he said, just put it in reverse. Switch it around. All right. But we're listening. We are listening to the wrong voices. We are believing the wrong things. Jesus tells a story about a prodigal son. This man has two kids, one older, one younger. And the younger, he just comes to his dad and he says, look, I wish you're dead, but you're not. So just give me my inheritance now, please. So the dad gives him his inheritance. The Bible says he goes off and he spends it all in prodigal living in a far country. And then when his money's gone, a famine arises and he finds himself feeding pigs, not a good place for a Jewish boy. And he wishes he could eat the pig's food, but nobody gave him any. And then the Bible says he came to himself and he said, why the servants at my father's house have more than enough to eat and here I am about to die of hunger. This is what I'll do, I'll arise. I'll go to my father and I'll say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And the Bible says, and he arose and he went. You know the story. The father sees him a long way off, runs out and meets him, throws his arms around him, tells him, I love you. He puts a robe on him. He puts new shoes on his feet, puts a ring on his finger and says, kill the fatted calf because my son was dead. But now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. They're having the party. And the older brother comes in from working in the field and he hears the music and sees the dancing and he calls somebody and says, what's going on? And he said, well, your brother's come back and your father has killed the fatted calf and we're rejoicing and having a party because he's come back safely. And the older brother won't go in. So the father comes out to him and says, come on in, your brother's back. He says, no. He says, I've never disobeyed you all these years. He says, listen, he says, and you've never even given me a skinny goat that I could rejoice with my friends. Listen, most Christians have a skinny goat God. They're like, God wouldn't even give me a skinny goat. And the father said, look, he said, everything I have is yours. It was all yours. But what he, he thought that his father was stingy, that there was nothing for him. But the Bible says our God's name is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Not just enough, but more than enough. And we have to get a picture from God's word on the inside of us about who God is, about what God wants us to have, about who he's made us to be. God says this, he says, the thoughts that I have towards you are for peace and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. He wants you to see yourself blessed, favored, forgiven, empowered, victorious, stomping on the devil, speaking to mountains and they're removed, carrying the spirit of God every place that you go. Don't allow wrong thinking to keep you from the abundant life that God has for you. Isaiah 55, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he's near, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his 
is thoughts. Your thoughts can get you in trouble. Your thoughts can keep you from what God has for you. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, God isn't saying you can't think his thoughts. He's just telling you, you're not going to get them from your neighbors, from culture, from people, from the devil, from opposition. The place you're going to get God's thoughts is in his word. And listen, God's thoughts, they're higher, they're bigger, they're better. That God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's got two million people and they're going through the desert. If God had come to me and said, what do I need? I would have told him first, God, every 10 miles, you need a Costco. <laughs> every 15, Starbucks. All right. And God, you better put some good shoe stores in there. You know, you better put some good clothing stores in there. All right. But God's thoughts are different. God had no Costco. He just rained down bread from heaven. Literally every day he rained bread from heaven. They called it manna. Right. And as far as the shoe shop went, oh, my goodness. The Bible says for 40 years. Their feet never swelled and their shoes never wore out. Men, what a glorious day. No shoe shopping for 40 years. Huh? God took care of them, but he didn't take care of them the way that I thought he'd take care of them. All right? Or the way you thought he'd take care of them because his ways are higher. Jesus said, if you can believe, believe what, what God has said. All things are possible to him who believes. God can open doors that no one can shut. And when it looks like everything has gone wrong, God is able to turn that situation around. When Daniel got thrown in the lion's den, it looked like the end, but God brought him through. When David was facing Goliath, it looked like the end, but God gave him victory. When Jonah was in the well, it surely looked like the end, but God got him out. When Samson was facing a thousand enemies at one time, it looked like the end, but God brought him through. When the three Hebrew children were thrown in the fiery furnace, it looked like the end, but God was there protecting them and seeing them through. When Jesus died on the cross, it looked like the end, but it was God's plan to bring about total victory and defeat the enemy. The Bible says there is no wisdom, understanding, or counsel against the Lord. You can't do it. No matter where we are, God has got a way through, all right? We've got to get rid of that defeatist mentality that we've got, the barely get by thoughts and see ourselves victorious, blessed, above and not beneath. We need to see ourselves as the head and not the tail, right? The Bible says to keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. What's in your heart is going to determine your life. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. Literally, and I may talk about this in, in some weeks to come, but Jesus said that the good man out of the abundance of his heart brings forth good things. The evil man out of the abundance of his heart brings forth evil things. See, most people believe that life is a lotto. Some, some, are, some are happy, some are not. 
Some are successful, some are not. Some are rich, some are poor. We just think it's just kind of like who knows what's going to happen. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, out of the goodness of your heart, you bring forth good. And out of the evil of your heart, you bring forth evil. Jesus said, life is not a lotto. Jesus said, you bring forth what's out of your, in your heart. That's why Jesus said, either make the tree your heart good or make the tree your heart bad. All right? See, you can make your heart good or you can make your heart bad. You can make it. It is not a matter of a lotto. All right? So it is impossible for you to have a defeated heart and live a victorious life. It is impossible for you to have a depressed heart and live a life of joy. It's impossible to have a heart full of worry and to live a life of peace. Now we need to let God's word planted in our heart bring forth hope, love, joy, forgiveness, provision, abundance, peace, expectancy, victory, deliverance, destiny. We've got to put that in our heart and if it's in our heart, we'll bring it forth. And God, God was speaking through Jeremiah and he said, is not my word like fire? All right. He says, you get my word down on the inside of you and it will burn the crud, the wrong things that you're believing, those wrong thoughts, those wrong mentalities, it will burn it out. And then God said, his word, he said, it's like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. God is saying, my word, like a hammer, it will take those wrong thoughts, those wrong beliefs that you have, and if you'll put my word on the inside, it will crush that stuff. He says, he says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Gee, the, 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 the proverb again says, keep your heart with all diligence, because out of your heart flow the issues of life. You say, you put abundant life in, abundant life's going to come out. You put success in, success is going to come out. Victory in, victory out. Freedom in, freedom's going to come out. Your life can be an abundant life. But if you think life stinks and it always will, that's not what God said about you. But you can't think that your life is always going to stink and have a good life. You can't think I'm never going to be successful and be successful. You can't think I'm never going to do anything meaningful with my life and then uh, end up doing something meaningful. Right? You can't think I'm never going to enjoy the good things of life. If that's what you've got in your heart, that's what you're going to bring forth. Right? Now, what God wants to do is he wants to paint a picture on the inside of you with his word. Literally plant God's word. Jesus said his word is like a seed and you plant it in your heart. You water it, it grows, and it brings forth, right? Don't let old thinking hold you back. Believe what God says about you is true. God's word is a seed that'll grow. It will break you out of that rut. The Bible literally says in, in, in Hebrews 4, it says, but the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. In other words, God's word is supposed to profit. It's supposed to bless you. It's supposed to bring increase. It's supposed to bring change. It's supposed to bring victory, right? You're supposed to possess the promised land that God has for you. 
But it doesn't happen if we don't put the word on the inside of us. And that word will change the way that we think. Uh, 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 last year, uh, for New Year, how many of you made a New Year's resolution last year? All right. Not many. All right. I made the most common New Year's. You, know, you know what the number one New Year's resolution is? I'm going to lose weight. So my New Year's resolution was I'm going to lose 15 pounds. And I'm happy to report to you today that I only have 20 pounds to go. <laughs> you said, what happened? I had good intentions, but I did not change the way I was thinking. Right? And if you don't change the way that you're thinking, you don't change what you're doing. Right? And so I, I kind of went, went the wrong way. Right? Now, what Jesus said was this. He said, let it be done to you according to your faith. Now, the Bible tells us again in Hebrews 4, 2, that the gospel they heard, it didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. We've got to let that word be planted in our heart, watered and go, grow and bring forth fruit. When the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said to Mary, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you are supernaturally going to have a child. This is what she said. She said, be it unto me according to your word. Now, I was thinking about it this week. <laughs> when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, I'm anointing you, you're going to go out, you're going to fight. And, and Gideon said, uh, excuse me, you have made a mistake. Because you got the wrong guy here. He says, I am from the Barney Fife tribe, and I am Barney Fife, and you just cannot, this will not work with me. Right? When, when, when God spoke to Moses out of that burning bush, Moses said, God, that is a great plan. You should, you, you should do that, and you should say, anybody except me. Literally, that's what he says. Great plan, just use somebody else. When the, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias and said, Zachariah, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a son. He's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He's going to be John the Baptist. He said, how could that possibly be true? How can I know what you're saying is true? Every time an angel appears to a man and talk, the guy says, no. <laughs> but every time an angel appears to a woman, she's just like, according to your word, so be it unto me. <laughs> I think God ought to talk to a lot more women. You girls are missing a good time to clap. All right. <laughs> but be it unto me according to your word. Dare to believe what God says about you is true. Philippians 2, 13. For God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want the things which please him and to work for them. God is at work in you. He's putting desires inside of your heart, right? And it, it, it might be to share the gospel, but it might be in your business, in your family, with your kids. God is putting desires on the inside of us, all right? And we don't die when our hearts stop beating. We die when our hearts stop skipping a beat in pursuit of the passion, the thing that God has put in our hearts. Jeannie and I were missionaries for seven years. And after those seven years, God had put in our hearts to come back to Grand Rapids. We were going to pastor a church. So we just came back. And a pastor here in town and his wife said, hey, come on over and preach for us. And, and I kind of argued with him. I said, look, I'm going to pastor a church someplace here in Grand Rapids area. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't think I should probably come. Oh, come and preach for us. 
So we went and preached. Right? And you may know this, but I'm just going to share a little a Christian custom with you. Now, this is true in Russia. This is true in Europe. This is true in Asia, in India. This is true in Africa. This is true in South America. This is true in America. This is true everywhere. You preach and then you eat. All right? You go out, you have something to eat. So we preach, they take us out to eat. We're, we're at this, this restaurant right on 28th Street. And uh, the pastor's wife said, he said, uh, well, what kind of church, what kind of church are you going to pastor? I, I said to them, I said, well, we're going to pastor a church of thousands and thousands of people. I said, and, and we're going to touch our community and we're going to reach around the world. And, and immediately she, she threw up her hands and said, oh my goodness. She said, we would never want a church like that. She says, I want a church where on Sunday morning I can sit on the front row says, and I can have a cup of coffee in one hand, drink my coffee, lift my hand to the Lord and worship. And she said, we want a church. She said, where we know everybody's name and everybody's kids' names. I said, okay. And she says, I think you're crazy for wanting that kind of church. I said, well, that's what, that's what we got in our heart. Now, 25 years pass, all right? In their church on Sunday morning, she would sit on the front row, Starbucks latte, sipping her latte, waving to the Lord. 50 or 60 people there. She knows everybody's name and all their kids' names, all right? And in this church, there were thousands and thousands of people. Now listen, here's the story. Here's, here's, here's the point. Your vision is your future. Your vision is your future. And the Bible says that God himself is at work in you. Now, just as sure as John 3 is for you, where Jesus said you must be born again, Philippians 2 is for you. God himself is at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him. God puts desires down inside our heart. And then it says, and to work for them. Now, that's just not about spiritual things, all right? That's about every area of your life, all right? And, and we, need, we need to recognize that when our heart stops beating because of that passion that, that, that we have for God, uh, we, we're, we're, we're just putting in time, all right? But we're not fulfilling our purpose or our destiny. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So Jesus is on the cross and God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So here's what we can say. Jesus is on the cross and God is working in Christ, but he's not working on Christ. Okay. He's working in him, but he's not working on him. He's working in him, but he's working on you. But what he's doing in Christ is not for Jesus. How many of you know Jesus didn't need any work? He was already perfect. He was already in perfect relationship with God. He didn't need work, but he was working in Christ on you. You say, well, what happened? A lot of things happened. But just a couple verses later, it says that he that knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. At the cross, God took your sin and put it on Jesus. And he took his righteousness and put it on you. He was working in Christ, but not on Christ. He was working on you. Galatians 3.29 says, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He was working in Christ, making every promise that God made to Abraham true for you. He was working in him, but on you. In Hebrews chapter four, it talks about what God did as a result. He said, let us then fearlessly, confidently, and boldly, because God was working in Christ on you. Let us draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor for us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace, God's supernatural ability to help in time of need, appropriate help, well-timed help coming just when we need it. Now, whenever you make and begin to move towards God's plan and purpose for your life, there's always going to be opposition. When Nehemiah was there to build the walls of Jerusalem that had been knocked down for generations, the Bible says that the enemies were planning to attack. And so what Nehemiah said, he said, in one hand, keep your sword and on the other hand, build. Right? Well, what some people do, unfortunately, is that some people totally ignore the fact that there is a devil. And by the way, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? So the next verse says, resist him, steadfast in the faith. James says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And I, I want to ask this question because a lot of Christians fall right here. We act like the devil doesn't even exist. But the Bible says that he is your personal enemy. He goes about like a roaring lion. He's seeking to devour you and to resist him steadfast in the faith. James said, resist him and he'll flee. The last time he fled from you is the last time you resisted him. And unfortunately, most Christians believe the only activity that the devil has is sin. But the truth is, devil will come against you in every way possible to keep you from the abundant life that Jesus has for you. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he's come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And the other, I've mentioned this before, but for every mile of highway, there's two miles of ditch, right? So one mile of ditch is we act like there is no devil. The other mile of ditch is we act like everything is the devil and just focus on the devil. It's like a mailman who's supposed to be delivering mail, but instead of delivering mail, there's a dog on the street. And so he gets a bat, he gets a squirt gun full of pneumonia, he gets a big net, and all he does is walk up and down the street looking for the dog. He's supposed to be delivering mail. All right? And as Christians, we're supposed to be building all right. Do we have to deal with opposition? Absolutely. But we can't focus on that opposition. Right. How do we handle adversity? Both David and King Saul listened to the same giant. One heard the giant. The Bible says Saul was filled with fear. But David heard that giant and he said, your servant will go and I will fight that giant. How do we handle disappointment? What do we do? Do we back up 
or do we keep moving? The Bible says the righteous man may fall seven times, but rises again, right? We aren't to consider ourselves victims that can do nothing because God is on our side. Now, let me, let me close with a little story from the book of Joshua. The 12 spies had, of course, gone out and come back, given the report. 10 spies said, we cannot go in. Two spies said, let us go up at once and take possession. One of those spies was Caleb. And years later, I'm going to read it maybe in just a moment. But this is what he said. He said, I brought back a report according to all that was in my heart. According to all that was in my heart. Twelve spies went through the land for 40 days. Every spy saw the same thing. But not every spy believed the same thing. With their physical eyes, they saw, all right? But really, the truth is, you see through your eyes, but you see with your heart. Because 10 of them said, we're, we're going to get killed if we try to go in. Two of them said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. Now, what determined what they saw was what was in their heart. And I don't know what giant, what opposition, what mountain you're facing today. But I'm telling you right now, there are some people who would look at that mountain and because of what's in their heart, say, you're done, it's over. But there's other people, because of what's in their heart, would rise up and say, let us go up at once and take possession because we are well able because God is with us. Life does not happen to you. Jesus said, you bring forth. You bring forth based on what's in your heart. So 45 years have passed. That group who said they can't go in, they all died in the desert. And now for five years, they've been taking the land. And the Bible says that they're casting lots. They're tapping the dice out and they're figuring out who's going to get which piece of property. And as they're casting lots, the Bible says an old man shows up. I can picture in my mind, he just starts to walk through the crowd. Gray hair, big old beard, but looking tough. His name is Caleb. And he said to Joshua, he said, you know, the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning me and Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up made with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore to me on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you wholly followed the Lord, my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses concerning Israel, wandering in the desert. And now here I am today, 85 years old. As yet I'm as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Now, that was the mountain in Hebron where the cities were and the giants were. And he said, give me that city. Now, everybody else was letting them 
throw the dice, cast lots, just see what was going to happen. But Caleb, the Bible said he had a different spirit. It was the spirit of faith. And he said, I'm not taking what the dice say. I'm taking what God said. God said, I could have that mountain. So I'm telling you today, give me the mountain the Lord said I could have. And I will go up and I'll attack and I will dispossess the enemies. And that is exactly what he did. We can sit back and see what culture sends your way, see what circumstances send your way, or you can be like Caleb and you and I, we can say, I'm going to have what God says I'm going to have. And I'm going to take possession. I'm going to go up. I'm going to fight. I'm going to believe. I'm going to confess. And I'm going to fulfill God's purpose, God's plan. And I'm going to live the abundant life that Jesus said he has for me. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? The Bible tells us that forgiven people go to heaven. Not good people, but forgiven people. Everyone is welcome in heaven. Everybody gets in the same way. Every single person can meet the requirements to get to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Here's what Jesus said, all of your efforts could never make you right with God. All of my efforts could never make me right with God. He said, there's just one way and he is the way. So he said, you must be born again. You say, what does that mean? It means you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. It's an all or nothing proposition with Jesus. And people say, but I know about God. Everybody celebrates Easter and Christmas. We all know about Jesus in our head. But salvation is not about your head. Salvation is not about what you know. Salvation is about your heart. Have you given him all of your heart and all of your life? He's not a thief to steal it, a manipulator to trick you into giving it. And if you have not given him all of your heart, all of your life, you still have it and you need to give it to him today. You must, Jesus said, be born again. So if you're here today and you're away from God, this is for you. If you're here and you don't know where you stand with God, the Bible says know that you have everlasting life. If you don't know you're forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven, you're not where you should be. If you say, well, I, I hope I'm going to make it, you're not where you should be. You need to know you're right with God. Lift your hand in just a moment. When I say three, this is what's going to happen. We're going to pray and God's going to meet you right here in this place. And you're going to know that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. Right? As you lift your hand, the first thing you're saying to God, God, I know that I need a savior and I'm coming to Jesus today to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying today, I'm going to give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him. Two. Now get ready. As you lift your hand, you're saying today I'm receiving Jesus in my heart by faith. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. I'm going to be forgiven. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of God's family. 
on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Pray with me. I'm not right. I'm not right, but I want to get right today. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balcony. Include me, Pastor. I am not where I should be, but I want to get right today. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Would everybody please stand? Take one hand, place it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. And we're going to pray together with those that lifted their hands. Now make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Jesus is my king. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I am forgiven, a part of your family, that you make me a new person on the inside. On my way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.